Well, good morning. We're going to do our uh, outdoor meet and greet before we jump into the Word. So I'll give you a little bit of time if you want to put a smile on your face. Remember, when we come to church, it's not just about us, right? We are here to agape one another, self-sacrificially love one another. Uh, By golly, you have a ministry. You're like, what? I thought you guys had the ministry. No, we're to minister to one another, which means when you come, when the church gathers, we're to love one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens. Uh, there's a whole lot of one anothering that we're supposed to be doing. Um, but because of social, social distancing, we're just going to one another with a wave and a smile and a good morning. So just turn to somebody and one another, someone with uh, some agape love, say hello. Welcome, everyone. And then we're going to agape the people at home and on live stream. So Isaac's on the camera there. If you want to turn over there and say good morning to everyone in live stream land, that would be awesome. There you go. See? And here's the cool thing about it. I just thought about this, you know, that meet and greet when when we pan. Here's the cool thing. Did, did, Did any of you think that, you know, you're here, and somebody at home might see you here or be encouraged and say, hey, I didn't know that so-and-so. Maybe they're watching from a friend, invited, and they just kind of popped on. But your being here and waving to them might actually encourage them to come to church, right? Um, now, we know it's a little bit chilly and, and all of that, the SoCal winter, if you want to call it that. But uh, you know what? I just want to let you know, um, as we work through winter, uh, we will let you know on the website and via the app if for some reason we weren't going to meet on a Sunday morning. Um, but I'll be honest with you, it's going to take quite a bit for us not to be here. Um, you know, if, we have, if all of us have to hunker under here because it's raining cats and dogs out there, that's fine by me. Because um, this matters. This matters. And I think sometimes, even through this time, uh, there's been a bit of a shaking and a bit of a testing of the church. You know, uh, Bill, thank you for your story of what uh, church is like in Africa, right? If I would have said, hey, come on out. We've carved some holes out there in the field for you to sit in. Um, Would you come? You you know, right? (laughs) Right? This has been a bit of a testing to say, you know, Lord, why do I go to church? And what is church? And and is it about the building and the AC? And, you know, and uh, we we are totally sensitive here to... uh, Varying needs. I know, you know, uh, if you have kids, last Sunday, man, we had like oodles and oodles of kids in the back there. Uh, but we understand the temperature can make it uh, challenging for some. We understand, uh, you know, those at home, uh, your health issues may prevent you from coming. And that's 100% okay. Um, but I really want to encourage you, really spend time during this, this season of, you know, not being in the worship center um, as we normally do with all the creature comforts of church in America, and, and really ask God to show you, what is church supposed to be, and, and what's my role, and, and does, it, does it really distract so much if we're a little chilly, or who knows, if we're out here long enough, if it's really hot, you know, and these propane heaters will turn into fans, and, uh, you know, but you know what, in the end, and what uh, Bill started, God is good, and all the time, Right, and he rejoices when his children gather. He really does, and so that it matters to us. So, if down the road, you know, you're wondering if we're going to meet, you'll know uh, via the app or the website. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it's going to take quite a bit for us not to meet. Uh, it matters to us, and so we'll be here. If we have to put on jackets, and we'll put on jackets. Uh, so we're going to continue this morning through Ephesians, and a key verse in Ephesians four one uh, says this: "I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord." urge you, Christians, Apostle Paul writing to Christians in Ephesus, urge you, Christians, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we have been for uh, several weeks and months now trying to walk through Ephesians to understand what does it mean to walk in a way that glorifies the Lord. And I have to tell you, given the current uh, climate in our country and, uh, you know, things just happening... You and I just walking in a manner worthy of our calling is a tremendous witness. Sometimes we think to honor and glorify God, we've got to do big things. We have to be the pastor. We have to do this. We have to, you know. No. In, in the current climate, I'm going to tell you right now, just 
walking in a manner worthy of your calling. Faithful obedience in the power of the Spirit speaks volumes right now. Because many people, their foundations are shaken. And they're looking for truth. And they're looking for answers. And they're looking for hope. And if you, just in the way you're carrying yourself as a follower of Jesus, are simply walking as you should, you're bringing hope. And you may uh, find yourself uh, in conversations where someone says, you know what? I've been watching you for a few months now. And, you know, what makes you tick? Betty, I've been watching you and you just seem pretty solid, pretty consistent. You're not all over the place. Betty, what's making you tick? What? How is that even possible? And, and it may open a door for you to share the hope you have in Jesus simply by walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. So that's what we've been doing. What does that mean? How do we do that? So we know in Ephesians 5.18, in order to do this, we have to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, this is a supernatural. Everyone say supernatural. Okay, this is a supernatural walk. You have to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We saw to be controlled. You wake up every day and you say, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I just, I just want to walk and honor you. I yield, I surrender, I submit to the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Amen? Right? You have the third person of the Trinity indwelling you. So you have to be filled with the Spirit. In verse 21 of chapter 5, begins with relationships. He says, hey, submit to one another, church. You're to submit. I'm to submit. We're to submit to one another. Okay, and we looked at that. Uh, verses 22 to 24, we looked at the role of wives when it comes to biblical submission in marriage. And then last week, 25 to 33, we looked at husbands. And husbands, what does it mean to love your wives self-sacrificially? What does it mean to love your wives uh, with a sanctifying love, which means I want to love my wife in such a way that she becomes more like Jesus, right? And we looked at that. And in all of these categories, what we've seen, common theme what? You got to be kidding me. That's going to take a miracle, amen? Amen. Right? Right? Wives for biblical submission, how many would say that's a miracle? Right? Husbands to love self-sacrificially, how many would say that's a miracle? Right? To submit to one another in the church, how many would say that takes a miracle? Right? So what he's saying is, hey, you know what? If we're going to honor God, we need supernatural empowering the Holy Spirit in every relationship. In every relationship. Because I don't know about you, uh, it doesn't take much for me in, in a relationship, a friendship, a work relationship, family relationship. How many of you can go from the spirit to the flesh that fast? <laughs> Simply because someone said something. Or something didn't go your way. Or someone let you down. Or they, you know, they hurt your feelings. And immediately, everything was good. Until. Right? And so it takes a supernatural walk. A supernatural Uh, movement of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to continue and we're going to move into uh, chapter 6 and he's going to go from the marriage relationship to parent-child relationships. Now, I said this before and I want to encourage you again. If you don't have kids right now, don't check out, right? Because sometimes, you know, when we walk through books, you go, oh, we're in that passage. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, Because uh, if you're a grandparent, You may have an opportunity to, if you're invited to, give biblical counsel in this era. Not your opinion, but what does the Bible say about parent-child relationships? If you want to have kids, this will matter. This will matter. Okay? Even if you're just a believer, if you come across in your friendships, your coworkers, peers, and you're around people who have kids, God may give you an opportunity to share biblical truth in this arena. Okay, and of course, if you have kids, well, you're already perked up this morning um, because you're like, wow, here we go. So it applies to everyone. And then in the end, um, we're going to see a a wonderful application for all of us in terms of obedience to the Lord. Uh, But let's look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to actually start at the tail end of that. We're going to look at fathers first. So verse 4 says, Fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Okay, so right off the bat, he's speaking to fathers. Okay, and what's interesting is that the word that he uses here uh, could, could in one sense be used for parents, but it's a specific term that refers to fathers. And in verse uh, one, he says, when it says children obey your parents, he uses another word for parents. So this is important. Verse four, he's speaking to, to dads. He's speaking primarily to fathers here. And, and it's really interesting because you remember how we were talking about husbands and wives and how uh, Ephesians five really turned the culture upside down, really like head, hit the culture head on because wives had no rights. They were treated as you know, property. And along comes Apostle Paul. He says, no, husbands and wives, you're equal. You're equal, right? Well, the same thing happens here. Uh, when he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. If you were a father in this culture, if you were a male, you would have said, what? <laughs> because this is another one of those biblical principles that turn the culture upside down. There was in the Roman culture something called patria potestas. Okay, it's up there. Patria potestas. Let me just read to you the culture of fatherhood in the Roman world. Under the patria potestas, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his fields, even in chains. He could punish as he liked and could even inflict a death penalty. Further, the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life, so long as the father lived. A Roman son never came of age. Even when he was a grown man, even if he were a magistrate of the city, even if the state had crowned him with well-deserved honors, he remained within his father's absolute power. Isn't that crazy? That's the culture. And then all of a sudden, in Ephesians 6, the apostle Paul says, hey, fathers, don't provoke your children. He's like, what are you talking about? I can kill them if I want to. I, I, can, I can treat them as property. I can sell them off. I can do anything I want. What are you talking about? The Apostle Paul says, no, God's plan, God's plan is 180 degrees opposite. Fathers don't provoke, provoke don't exasperate your children. It's amazing, right? Leon Moore says this, this idea would have been revolutionary in its day. In the first century Roman Empire, fathers could, pretty much, could do pretty much what they liked in their families they could even sentence family members to death. And along comes the Apostle Paul, God speaking through the Apostle Paul. He says, you know what? Don't execute them. Don't even exasperate them. But bring them up in the training and the discipline of the Lord. Think about that. Fathers suddenly went from dictator to spiritual leader. And this is really, really important for us in our culture because unfortunately unfortunately like I shared last Sunday in the church most of the spiritual leadership most of the initiative most of the nurturing of kids comes from the moms I've seen it in 30 years of ministry right and and I'm not saying that the men don't work hard and don't go out there and make a living and support and all that then and, and that that's not important what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's speaking, hey, fathers, you are primarily responsible for the nurturing of your kids spiritually. You're the tip of the spear, bud. And right now, I, I'm guessing some guys here and some guys there, yeah, it's not comfortable. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know where, I've been in church ministry for 30 years, I don't know where, we picked up the idea that raising kids in the things of the Lord is the wife's or the mother's duty. I do not know where that came from. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to me. You know, because I was a youth pastor for about 10 years and then a family pastor and I did quite a bit of family counseling. And I got to be honest with you. A lot of times when families would come in for counseling, it was the moms that came in with the kids. It was the moms that brought the kids in. And we're trying to deal with family dynamics and things going on. 
And dad wasn't even involved in the spiritual nurturing of the kids. And so right off the bat, you know, you got to take it, you got you to check yourself and say, okay, that's God's plan for the family. It's not our plan at the well. This is God's plan, right? When it says fathers do not provoke or exasperate, what that means is, hey, don't cause resentment. Make bitter. It's anger. It's, it's creating because of a wrong spirit and the wrong way that you're doing it. It's creating it's this deep anger that results in rebellion. That's, that's to exasperate someone, to just get them to the place of just like they're simmering in anger and bitterness, right? He says, fathers, don't do that. And, but it's not just a don't. He says, don't do that, but here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to bring them up Nourish them, right, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He says, fathers, not only are you not supposed to hammer them to the point of rebellion, you fathers, you fathers at home, you are the tip of the spear. You are primarily responsible for the spiritual nurturing of your kids. And that's a heavy responsibility. You can't just say, well, yeah, you go ahead, mom. Go with your mom. Go with your mom, you know. And it's interesting even in homes uh, where I, I wonder and I would just ask, in your home or in the homes that you know, who leads the times of prayer? Why is it that it's mom or the wife that somehow starts prayer and somehow drives the prayer time? And, you know, it, it, it's just not really in line with what God's plan was. Now, is it important that you, you team parent in the nurturing? Yes. But in God's plan for the family, men, fathers, we got to step up. We got a role to play, and it's the tip of the spear. He's going to hold us primarily responsible. Now, uh, why don't we do it? Let's just be honest. You're scared to death. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, uh, uh. Or maybe you feel inadequate. Or maybe you didn't have that role model. Or maybe you bought into the cultural thing that, you know, the, you, know you go to church with mom, I, I got to watch Monday Night Football. Or whatever, you know, we, we slide into that mom takes the kids to all the Christian stuff and all the spiritual stuff and dad just stays home and provides. You got to check yourself on that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, in the church, the next generation of young men, the, the sons that you're raising now, they need to see strong spiritual leadership. The country, the world needs to see strong spiritual leadership. Right? And, and it's tough because... You know, as, as, a, as a youth pastor, I'd work with junior high and high school students, and I'd work with the, the athletes and, and the, you know, the, the type A guys, and we'd have good, good fun and all this kind of stuff. But what really bummed me out was they didn't have males leading spiritually in their homes. It was tough. And the crazy thing is, when they were around us, because we were, you know, we were kind of just being us, and we were the athletes, and we were doing this, these young men would respond spiritually. You set the bar high, you treat them like young men, they would step up. But then they would go to their home and, and they would have no strong male spiritual leadership and they would just slink right back into, ah, oh, you know, that's, that's mom. That's just mom being mom and churches, churches, you know, led by the ladies and all this kind of stuff. And, and we see the impact in the church and we see the impact out into the culture. So right off the bat, fathers, we got to step up. You have to really just own that responsibility. And if you're scared, if you need training, if you need encouragement, that's what we're here for. Come alongside you. Okay? But we have to, we have to really accept God's plan for the church is that the fathers are primarily responsible for the spiritual nurturing of the kids. And they work together with the wives. Okay? Now we go back to uh, 6, 1, 2, and 3. And Ila, you can put up the Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Right? So now we're talking to kids. Right? And the first thing is, it says what? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Can I get an Amen. Right, right. When you're talking about wives, right, we got some amens. When we're talking about husbands, we get some amens. Now we're talking children obeying your parents, and everyone said, 
<laughs> and, and it's really interesting, right? Because we just talked about fathers, and now it flips. We're like, that's right, you preach, right? But what does that even mean? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? Uh, well, we saw and we know from the last few weeks that that word obey is different than uh, submit, okay? Submit was hupotasso, where you have two equal people who voluntarily place themselves under authority, Okay, when it says children obey your parents, it's a different word called hupakuo. And in this word, it means that there is an authority. There is an authority structure. Okay, and hupakuo means I place myself under the authority. I hear the authority and then I act on what I hear. Okay, so that's obey. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, How many of you as a parent have had, you know, it's Saturday... And uh, kind of supposed to be chore day, clean up the house day. And maybe your kids are playing video games, right? And you're like, hey, can you clean up your room? Anyone ever say, hey, can you clean up your room? And you walk away. And what do they say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? How many of you have ever come back a few hours later? <laughs> room has remained unchanged. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? Right. And then how many of you as a parent have ever said this? Did you hear what I said? Anyone ever have, did you hear what I said? And the response was, I heard. Okay, now, now there's, this, is, this is very important. This is very important. When you said, did you hear what I said, what did you really mean? Did you hear with the implication you were going to do? Okay? Hearing and doing were inseparable in mama's mind, Right? Right, Cindy? Right. Right. In your kid's mind and in our mind, even with the Lord, we hear, but we tend to make doing optional or when we're comfortable or when we want to get to it, right? This is really, really important because uh, when it says children obey or when it even talks about our obedience in the faith, hearing and doing are inseparable, Okay, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. So, so it's, it's a picture of a doorkeeper, right? It's like you hear a knock, right? And you kind of perk up and you go, who is it? And, you know, and you, someone says, right? Or your ring goes off, right, at home. Now, you, now knocking. Who, it's, it's like now the ring goes off, right? And you get up and you go to the door. So you hear and you respond, that's what they're talking about, okay? That's what it means to obey. You see this in Acts 12, right? Uh, Peter was uh, supernaturally uh, set free from jail. Remember that? And then in uh, Acts 12, it says, When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. That's Hupakuo. He knocked. Rhoda got up and answered. So she heard and she did. She responded. That's what children are to do, but this, that's what we are to do with the word of God, okay? Now, when it says children obey your parents in the Lord, it doesn't mean that you're to obey them even if they ask you to do something that's outside the will of God, okay? There's a check there. There's a check there. In Acts 5, 27, 29, right, you know that the apostles are being, you know, sort of like trying to be hemmed in by the leaders and it says this in Acts 5, 27, and when they had brought them, They set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So there's a principle there. There's a check. Okay? So as a child, I am to obey within the parameters of God's will, according to God's will and his word. Okay? And it says, for this is right. It's according to the will of God. Now, what's interesting in Colossians 3.20, it says this, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So if you're a child, you say, okay, now the apostle Paul is speaking to you, children. And he says, you know what? You hupakuo, because it's right and it pleases God. Now, if you're a child here or you're at home, how many would say that requires a miracle? looking at my children, right? All right? How many of you, even, you know, how many of you growing up 
when you were asked or told to do something to your parents? How many of it required a miracle for you to hear and do? Right, right, right. So we get it that here's the thing. It's really interesting. He's speaking to spirit-filled children. He wants you to understand that children obeying your parents takes a work of God too. Okay, takes a work of God too. Then he says this in verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. The word honor, okay? So it's really interesting because most of us just want to stay with obey. And he says, no, wait, there's more than just blanket obedience, just like robotic obedience, right? That's what most of us think of obedience. Children obey your parents as this, just do it. Just, just do it. Why? Because I said so. And we think that that's what he means. No, because he says, obey his honor your father and mother. What does it mean to honor? It means to show high regard and respect. To show high regard and respect to ascribe worth to someone. So here's the crazy thing, kids, and we're all sort of kids. Not only are we supposed to obey our parents, we're supposed to show them high regard and respect. Right? It's an attitude. And here's the connection between honor and obedience. I love this. John MacArthur says this. Honor is the attitude behind the act. The act is obedience, and honor is the attitude. Remember that an act without the proper attitude is hypocrisy. If you do what your parents tell you to do, but you hate it, and you're unwilling and nasty about it, then you're a hypocrite. If you do what your parents tell you to do, but you're bitter fearful, reluctant, and selfish, that's not the right spirit. God is after the attitude much more than he's after the act. Because if the attitude is right, the act will follow. But a right act with the wrong attitude is nothing but hypocrisy. Wow. See, it's a heart issue, right? Remember, we, around here, we always say, guard your heart. From out of it flow everything. Well, He's talking about a heart of honoring. And then I think about this in, in terms of our walk with the Lord. How many of us, when it comes to Father, we obey him out of a sense of love and honor? Or just, well, God told me to forgive you. So I forgive you, Diana. There. Because God told me. Not really the right attitude that God's looking at. Right? So how many of us in our walk with the Lord even say, today, Lord, I honor you. Lord, I respect you. Lord, I just want to live a life that reflects that I honor you in my obedience, my surrender, my submission, right? Very important. And it, it, what's important too is this honoring. Here's the deal. Because when you see this and it says children, we normally think of like the kids that are in the back row, eh, elementary, maybe through high school, right? This word honor, your father and mother, it's a lifetime. Okay, that verb is present imperative, which means continuous. We are, even as adults, you're to honor and respect your parents and even meet their needs. Here's a principle. First Timothy 5, 3 and 4 says this. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And some people go, huh. But I was raised to get my own family and take care of my own stuff. And mom and dad, we're just independent. Aren't they supposed to take care? Don't they get retirement? And don't they just kind of do their thing and we do our thing? God's plan for the family extends for the life. This is countercultural. Even today, this, thing, this is the deal. We're to be caring, concerned, honoring, even materially for our parents for a lifetime. That, that's even for now. I'm thinking someone here, maybe someone at home, you've been wrestling with this issue. And maybe even today, in the context of children and parents, God's speaking to you as a child to your adult parents. Respect them. Honor them. First Timothy 5, 3, and 4 says, take care of them if necessary. Why? Because this pleases God. Taking care of our family, even when they're old, pleases God. 
countercultural. It's a, that, this is a deep one. This is one of those cultural things that I think we pick up, but we don't really say, but we kind of, mm, okay. No, no. It pleases God when you honor your parents and take care of them, okay? Verse three says, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Remember the uh, Ten Commandments? Sound kind of familiar, right? Honor your mother and father that it may go well with you, right? In the commandments he was talking about in Exodus 20, 12, he was talking about in the land that I'm going to give you, the promised land. Hey, honor your mother and father because if you do, it's connected to quality and quantity of life in the promised land. In this verse, he's, he's a New, te- New, New Testament principle because he's not giving us, there's no land that we're going to get, right? Here, what he's saying, he says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And he says, you know what? Here's a general principle. If you will obey and honor your mother and father, the quality and quantity of your life will be blessed and enhanced. That's the general principle. Now, are your mother and father imperfect? Yeah, right? And does it mean that you're going to live, you know, for till very old age? Not necessarily, but the principle here is that in a godly relationship as a child towards your mother and father, based on obedience and honoring, you will be blessed with a better quantity and quality of life as a whole. That's the blessing you receive for obeying this, right? Warren Wiersbe says this, he, Paul, was stating a principle. When children obey their parents in the Lord, they will escape a good deal of sin and danger and thus avoid the things that could threaten or shorten their lives. But life is not measured only by quantity of time. It is also measured by quality of experience. God enriches the life of the obedient child, no matter how long he may live on the earth. Sin always robs us. Obedience always enriches us. Really important. Really important principle that we reap the blessings of obeying God's plan for the family. Okay? So we step out and we go, okay, but how, do, how does this, does this apply, these principles apply even to me um, if I don't have kids or just in my walk with the Lord? Well, it's interesting. In Romans 12, 10, it says this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what that verse says? We're to honor one another. In the church, we are to, in this course, in the ESV, it says we are to outdo one another in showing honor. What's that mean? To worth, value, respect, right? So look around, look around here, look at, and look at home if you're around other believers. You're to honor your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only are you to submit, you're to honor one another, which means respect, value, cherish them. See, we talked about how come the church seems so like stale at times and just like humdrum and boring? Allowed is just because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing just amongst each other. You know, if you come here on a Sunday with the sense that, you know what, I value the people there. I want to honor them. I want to just love them. I want to bless. I want to come here on a Sunday. Lord, my prayer, you know, I, here, I challenge you. Before you come here next Sunday, or if you're at home and you come here, I challenge you to pray this before you come to church. Lord, use me to bless somebody. Lord, I want to be a blessing to the church today. See what happens. See what happens when you come to bless and give and honor. Your whole church experience is going to be much more full. Much more full. I mean, just do it just because. Agape love, nothing in return. Just come and honor one another and see what happens right? And then it says, right, you remember when it said uh, hupakuo, obedience is hearing and doing? I thought of James one twenty two. verse you hear often quite a bit. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So here's the thing. This, this idea of children listening to your parents and doing what they told you to do, here's the thing. James one twenty two applies the same principle to us as believers, Hearing and doing are inseparable. Okay? In fact, when it says deceiving yourselves, man, that's a power. It means you're deluded. 
It's, a, it's, a, it's like you're doing a math problem and you have a miscalculation. So he's, he's saying this basically. If you're at church right now on January 24th, right? So 24th at uh, 10.59. If you come to church and you kind of think that all you need to do is listen to the sermon and then fold your notes and move on with your day, he's saying you're deluded and you're spiritually miscalculated. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenging thing, especially the way we do church in America. Right? And to to understand what's going on here, you have to understand the Old Testament definition of hearing and doing. It comes from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Where it says in verse, one, uh, verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Most of us in our culture today would go, amen. amen. What's next? That's a great statement. I'll amen that statement. No, what you really have to understand when it says hear, it means hear and do. In Old Testament, in the Hebrew culture, hearing and doing are inseparable. Inseparable. They're not, you can't separate the two, right? In fact, uh, the definition is listening with the intent to obey. In Hebrew, I do not hear unless I respond. Think about that. I do not hear unless I respond. Another definition, to hear is to act upon the word spoken. So you can't really say, hey, how was church today? Oh, it was good. I heard a good sermon. You listened to a sermon, but you didn't hear it unless you said, and this, see, if, I, if you say, What'd you, what, did, you, did you hear something good? You say, I heard, but you better be doing something with what you heard in order to say I heard, biblically. You might listen, but you may not have heard. Huge, huge, huge issue in the church huge issue in the church, right? Because this is, and I, and I have permission to, to share this, and you know, Brother Mike, I shared this years ago, and I asked Mike, and Mike, I know you're probably watching, God bless you, miss you, brother. We just started doing sermon notes again last week. These are sermon notes from Brother Mike from about 2010, 2012-ish, probably not them all, but Mike I think him and Susan win the attendance award, right? When we're open, they are there like faithfully, love to see them. And Mike gets the notes and there's a bunch of notes with the, like now he's just gathering, but he writes. And I said, Mike, I did this like, probably like five or six years ago. I said, Mike, do you have the notes? He goes, yeah, I think I have some. He said, can I get them? That's a lot of notes. Okay, that's a lot of listening. Now, and this isn't anything, Mike, I, I, I know you, you love the Lord and you're walking faith, so this is not on Mike, but I just wonder how much hearing is this? This is a lot of listening because he came every week and took the notes and wrote notes. But my question is, what do we do with all of this? Because that's a lot of doing, if truth be known, if we're going to actually biblically hear, right? That, this is challenging. Where does this come from? Why is this challenging in the United States? The Hebrew mindset is based on hearing and action. Okay, this is, this is, this is where you're going to go like, I get it. I finally get it. Maybe this will clarify it for you here. Clarify it. In the Hebrew world, hearing and action are inseparable, right? To hear is to do. It's just one thing. There's not two different concepts. It's one. Hear, do. Hear, do. Hear, do. Right? In the Greek Western mindset, it's about mental. It's information gathering. So the Greek emphasis is on thinking and reasoning and, you know, uh, elevation of self. And let me ponder that and all these philosophers, right? So they're going to, hmm, 
right? They, they come to church and they hear something like, hmm, let me think about that. Good point. I like that Greek word. I never heard that illustration before. I, I like that sermon. And we think about it and we evaluate and we reason all in this Greek mindset. And then we get a stack like this. And because we don't have the Hebrew mindset, we get a stack like this, but we never change spiritually. We're where we were 10 years ago. Now, Mike, I know you've grown. But for some of us, if this is like three years of stuff, and I know it's not all, but okay, so this is 2021. This would be like this big. Can you imagine a stack of sermon notes this big? And biblically, we're supposed to be hearing and doing At this point, you all are like, can we just get one verse a week? <laughs> Let me just get one verse, Pastor, with one to do. Because according to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, I'm going to spend the rest of my life just doing 1 through 4, Pastor. See, I tell you the challenge, the way we do church here is that I give you a sermon. And you say, good sermon. You get your notes. You take your notes. And then next Sunday, I'm supposed to give you something new, something fresh. Something to keep you awake and, 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 you know, engaged. And so I'm giving you something new next Sunday, but all the while I'm wondering, what did you do with last Sundays? What'd you do with that? And I'm just being honest with you. That is a challenge because we have this expectation in the professionalization of sermonizing that every Sunday I got to give you something new because we got to keep moving through Ephesians and, you know... And all the while, pastorally, our heart is like, but what are you doing with it? Because here's the thing. This is dangerous. If all you're doing is accumulating knowledge and not doing it, it is spiritually dangerous. Example, how many of you at Thanksgiving have ever ate too much? <laughs> like, like... Loosen the belt buckle, got to lay down, like gorged yourself. Come on, honest, like at home. How many of you have ever gone like, oh. and you're just like feeling kind of sick and like you can't move and you're just kind of like, okay, that's what we do in the church. We gorge ourselves almost like information gluttony. We go, nothing wrong with podcasts and online this and Bible study that. Dude, in 2021, there are so many resources that we are just spiritually gorging ourselves to the point of just being like, <laughs> and you don't even want to go to church anymore because you're just feeling like spiritually bloated. You can't do that. That's the Greek mindset. The, the American church, we bought into this Greek mindset where, okay, and I brought this because I do digital, but we forget the Bible was not given for information. It was given for transformation. If you want to, there's your nugget. You want a nugget. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, I don't know which camera we're on. The Bible was not given for information. It was given for transformation, which means you hear and do. Which means that my obedience and your obedience is not dependent on understanding God's plan. Right? I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's really clear what God wants me to do in his word. And the way I deflect obedience, well, I don't really understand, Lord. If I do that, how's it going to play out? And, and, and I kind of like, I know what to do. But because I don't want to do it, I make obedience contingent on understanding Nuh-uh. You obey first. You obey because it's God's word. You obey because it's God's truth. You obey because it's his authority. You also obey because God is good. And all the time. So why wouldn't you obey? Why wouldn't you? Right? And here's the crazy thing. James 1.25. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Let's read this together. He will be blessed in his... Okay, one more time. He will be blessed in his doing. So, 
according to God's word, on the authority of God's word, when you do the word of God, you will be? So why don't we just do it? (laughs) A lot of this, again, is because we bought into the Greek mindset that you go to church to accumulate more information. To hear, to listen to a sermon, my latest podcast, yada, 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 the latest thing that Pastor Rich is going to do, and you feel pretty good because you listened and you got another note on the... That is completely not... It's dangerous, guys. It's dangerous. And, and what, you, what you really need to do, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis, obedience is the key that opens every door. So here's the thing. Well, what do we do then, Pastor? How do we do this? Here's what I encourage you to do. When you come to church, or when you listen at home, or you do a podcast, or whatever you're doing, daily devotional, here's the thing. You have a daily reading plan. Fine. Hear it, and then do this. Bill has a journal, right? Can I say it real quick, Bill? Can I just... Maybe you need one of these. Maybe you need one of these or a piece of paper or you write in your Bible if you're comfortable. You listen, you maybe read a passage, whatever you do, you get you get something and then you get your pen and you say, "Okay, Lord, I'm ready. What do I do with this?" And you sit there until you write something down in a very practical, real way. That will change everything because a very high percentage of us are going to do this. And I say this in love. You know, I love you. You know, I love you. You know, I love you. Most of us are going to do this when this is done. Whoo, what's for lunch? (laughs) Now, I'll I'll admit, I have a little advantage of you guys because this passage, I study it for like 40 plus hours a week. So I get a whole lot of heart surgery and application. You guys kind of get laid on, you know, it's like, boom, everything. You know, God's been like stretching me, growing me, convicting me for the last four days on this passage. So I get that. But what I also tell you is it takes time to digest it. But please understand If you bought into the Greek mindset, it may give you a lot of answers as to why you're spiritually stagnant or you're stuck. Because somewhere along the line, you bought into the idea that I just got to listen and take some notes, add a stack, call it good, and I guess I'm spiritually growing, right? Not unless you're doing. So slow down. Slow down. And I wrestle with this. I've said this for 10 years. I wrestle with this. How much are we going to get through Ephesians, right? I could camp on one word for 30. I mean, but then some of you would be like, but we never get through it. We've been in Ephesians since Eli was an elementary kid, you know? It's his high school graduation and we're barely through Ephesians. Come on, move on, pastor. This is like slow. This is like molasses. I... But every week I get up here and I just go, what did you do with last week's? And if we're honest, okay, let's have this moment of honesty. <laughs> moment of like, like honesty. How many of you have forgotten what last Sunday's was? My wife raised her hand. <laughs> Thanks, hon. Huh? I quit. <laughs> right we struggle with this slow down slow down you got it oh you went back you went back and looked so we gotta slow down amen take the time hear the message today but before seriously before you get caught up in the business of lunch and family whatever you're gonna do If you believe this is the word of God, and if you believe the Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God today in 2021, then you better sit down and listen to what he wanted you to get for your spiritual growth, okay? Just one thing, one, 
One, Lord, what do you want me to do with what I heard today? One thing. We talked about children, obeying your parents. We talked about fathers, not provoking or exasperating your children. We talked about honoring. We talked about hearing and doing, Greek mindset, Hebrew mindset. There's a whole bunch, and you just sit there, and you, you get your journal, and you say, Father, what do you want me to do? And I'm willing to write it down. Okay? Okay? How many here are willing to even just try that? Seriously. Just, just, just. By faith, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait for God to tell me what he would have me to do to apply this, to be a doer. And then, crazy thing is, do it. Doesn't have to be huge. Just go do it. And I'd love to hear the story and how God's going to transform your life. And suddenly, your relationship with him is going to be like so exciting and so like, I come here Sunday and God talks to me. God talks to me. I'm like, yeah, he talks to me. Yeah, I know. But no, he really talks to me, pastor, because I, I listen and then he tells me what I'm to do and I've been doing it. Here's the crazy thing. The more you learn this habit of listening and writing down and doing, the more he's going to do it. Because more submitted you are and open. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. And I know we started talking about children and parent relationship in the home. But Lord, I can't just help of our own relationship with you as our father. And now in the same way you desire for us to hear and do what you say as our heavenly father. And father, I think we need to just take a moment of confession that many of us have accumulated stacks of sermon notes, that many of us have looked at the Bible as information gathering rather than transformation that many of us are content to have listened to a sermon but not done anything with it. So Father, we confess this before you and ask your forgiveness. And Father, by faith in you right now, in, in your, you say your word is living and active, you say it's the spirit of truth, I'm gonna ask everyone who's sitting here in person, those at home, listening online during the week, Father, speak to their heart and bring the application for their specific need, their specific circumstance, their specific spiritual growth. Bring the application, the doing. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, give them supernatural enabling to obey. Even if they don't understand, just to obey on the authority of the scriptures. You are a good God and we love you. We trust you. So we thank you again for the opportunity to have heard your word. Now we want to be doers. We don't want to be deluded. We don't want to be deceived. We understand biblically to hear is to do. So now, Lord, bring the application. As we do each week, we're going to give you a chance to take communion. During this song, you can take communion on your own. You can open up the side with the bread first and then flip it over and Open up the juice and great opportunity to remember Jesus, but also to uh, spend time with Father as necessary. Express your heart to be a hearer and a doer. And James 1.25 says you'll be blessed in your doing. Let's take communion together.